0: You're listening to a Broadmoor podcast production. In today's message, Broadmoor's middle school pastor, Richard Denson, preaches from Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 21 as we continue our series in Philippians. In this passage, the Apostle Paul talks about forgetting what is behind and straining on to what lies ahead, pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As always, we pray that God will speak to us and change us through the work of His Spirit in us. I'm not going to sound as cute or as adorable as that little one, but good morning, church. How are we? <laughs> Well, for those of you who do not know me, or I have not had the uh, pleasure of meeting you, my name is Richard Denson. Um, I have had the honor and privilege of serving here as the middle school pastor uh, for about two years now. Um, my wife and I, uh, Kirsty, and our three children moved from Florida, and we should, I think we have a picture of them uh, that's going to be on the screen, uh, maybe, there we go. So, as you can see, most beautiful woman alive right there on the right there, um, Princess Peach is my daughter, Serena. Luigi is my daughter, Elijah. And Mario is Luke, all right? Um, That is my family. That is my joy. I do not deserve them. I praise God for them. Um, We moved from a little small town in uh, Florida called Avon Park. Now, some of you guys are like, where in the world is Avon Park? Well, if you know Florida and you go to Orlando and you drive immediately 50 minutes south, you will hit Avon Park, and if you blink, you'll miss it. All right. So that's where we came from, where um, I served as uh, the student pastor there and my wife served as an eighth grade teacher. Um, Kind of what we're doing now. Um, But a little bit more about me personally. Um, I'm the oldest of four. I have two brothers and a sister. Um, I love everything sports related. All right. If it has a ball and a net, I am all game. Like, if you give me 10, 11 guys in a field with a football and 72-degree weather, I will be content for the entire day. I mean, anybody else with me on that one out there? You know, that is just just heaven to me right there. Um, Also, I'm a huge nerd, okay? I'm going to tell you that straight up front. Any kind of fandom you can think of, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, all of that, I love it all. I love it all. All right, so if you're into any of those, let's talk. All right? We can be friends. All right? So, and also, where's Jay Fletcher? He told me not to mention this, but I'm going to do it just because I love him very much. I am one of the four Florida State fans that go to this church. Go Knowles, baby. All right. So, um, that was for you, Jay. I love you. So, but, but I praise God for his grace. Um, that I get to serve with such an amazing staff and team here at Broadmoor for the magnification of Christ and for God's glory. And for that purpose, um, I get to bring uh, the message to you today. So if you have your copy of God's Word, um, or as we say in middle school, your sword, please turn to Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to be in verses 12 through 21. And just a little bit of context to why we call it the sword. Um, you've all heard of the armor of God, All right. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And by the way, great job reading, guys. Y'all knocked it out of the park. All right, thank you, Taylor and Emily, for that. Yes, that's awesome. Clap it up for them. That's awesome. That is awesome. So, and I also have to give a shout out to Taylor, brother. Thank you so much for how you serve in middle school. All right. It's it's wonderful because I can't sing at all. I can't play guitar at all, and you do them both amazingly. Great job, brother. Thank you so much for your service. Um, if you're following in your, uh, if in your Follow Jesus Bible, um, it is page 1276, and that's where we are going uh, to be this morning. Um, but before we dive into scripture, I want us to pray one more time. Father, thank you so much for this day. Father, I thank you so much uh, for your grace and your love and your mercy, the mercies that are made new every morning. And Father, as we open up the scripture, as we open up this treasure, which is your word, Father, help us, Lord, to look at it with open eyes and open hearts, knowing that these are the very words of you. And Father, that these are the words that were written to point men to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, John 3, 3.30, over myself, Lord, that I would decrease and you would increase, Jesus. Move me out of the way. Lord, we love you and praise you, for it's in your name. Amen. All right, so whenever we look at Scripture, whenever we look at Scripture, context is vital. It's essential we need to know the context. All right. For example, um, if if we want to uh, understand what the author is trying to say, and ultimately what the Holy Spirit is trying to relay, we have to know the context of the passage. All right. We know that Paul wrote this letter of Philippians to the church in Philippi, which is in Macedonia or northern Greece, while in prison under Roman providence. We know that Paul wrote this letter to promote unity in the church, uh, centered on the gospel and with the advancement of the gospel as the mission. When we look at earlier verses in chapter 3, we see Paul talking about righteousness that is through Jesus Christ and his personal desire to know Christ, even, honestly, unto death. And so much, if you look in verse 3, or excuse me, verse 8, Paul talks about that everything else is rubbish compared to knowing Christ Jesus. Rubbish. In the Greek, that means trash, worthless, you know? So we sit there and we look at this, and, 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 and when, I look, when I examine that, that Paul says everything, everything is rubbish compared to knowing Christ Jesus, that's a convicting statement. That's a convicting thought right here off the bat. See, he has this burning desire to know God so much to be like him even unto death, even unto death. He's willing to lose his life. Now when we look at that, we obviously we see that God is working in Paul as he is writing this. And I pray that God works on us today as the Holy Spirit reveals to us how we can know Christ and know him more intimately. But that being said, let's jump into the passage. Verse 12, it says, Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. See, when we hear the word perfect... As Paul states, it doesn't mean that somehow he has attained perfection. Because in the context, this word, um, uh, attain, literally means to complete or fulfill. Paul is saying that he has not completed knowing Christ um, in this uh, Holy uh, Spirit-driven intensity that he describes in previous verses. Paul says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. See, when I look at press on, this is a verb. This is an action. This is something that is done. Friends, when we look at intimacy with God, it's not something that uh, is, is, it it just kind of sits. We sit with it. It's it's, It's a verb. It's an action. It's something that we have to do. It's a passionate pursuit. And this pursuit is not something that we do naturally. We don't do it naturally. This pursuit only happens when we die to ourselves and surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. When we surrender to this leadership, our eyes become fixed on Christ and less on the worldly things. So here's an example, okay? Now, we know that our church has a one-year goal, all right? We've shared that. It's been been shown to us. And part of that one-year goal is that 500 families will be spending at least four nights a week in the Word together. Now, if your household is anything like mine, this can be a very sanctifying time, For me. (laughs) Because sometimes it's like pulling tusks off an angry walrus to get through one verse. Anybody else? Is it just me? Is it just my family? Okay, I guess I'm the only one. All right. So in my household, you'll hear things like, leave her alone. Stop kicking her. Listen, sit still. I can't get through one word. I read one word. Daddy, I got a question. I haven't even finished the same word. You hear all of these things. And sometimes I sit there and I'm like... God, is this, is this worth it? I mean, I literally can't even get through one verse. I can't get through one thought. And you want me to lead? You want me to teach? You want me to do this with my family? Is this worth it? And that's just full transparency. There are nights where I sit there and I struggle with that. But what's amazing about it is that in those moments, God reminds me that I'm in the middle of the pursuit, not the completion. I'm in the middle, the messy middle, if it were, not the completion. I'm not called as a dad to be perfect. I'm not called as a dad to teach perfectly. I'm not called as a dad to do that perfectly because Jesus already did that. My goal and my challenge as a father is to reflect Him, and let His Holy Spirit do the work. Because, let's be real, the middle is messy. It's very messy. But, like Paul says, we press on. We press on. Let's look at the last part of this verse. It says, Christ Jesus made me His own. See, this statement literally should make each one of us who are in Christ shout for joy. You ought to make a Baptist jump. I mean, literally. Because he says, Christ Jesus made me his own. See, this is the thing. If you are in Christ, you have been taken not from good to bad. You've been taken from death, hopelessness, into life, living hope in Christ. Amen? I'm just making sure you guys are awake. All right? So here's the thing. We are made alive in Christ, but then also we not only are made alive, we're adopted not by a good father that he should be compared to anybody, but by the perfect father who loves us with such an intensity that even while we were enemies of God, loving ourselves, loving our selfish passions, Christ died for us for the glory of god the father friends let us never ever ever forget that we are his thank you somewhere in the back i heard you here's the thing we should get excited about that we are his if you are in christ today you individual who is in the messy middle who is sitting there and struggling to even get here this morning and you don't know how God can still love you because of how you acted on the way here. You are in Him, which means you are His. Hallelujah! That is is the the Jesus that we serve. This is who Paul is talking about. Okay, that was one verse. Here we go. All right. (laughs) Verse 13. It says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do... Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, as we look at these verses, Paul talks about forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So there are a couple parts we want to go through with this. All right? The first one is we see that in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul uses the analogy of a sprinter. All right, So, Picture this with me. Here we go. You are a sprinter. You are competing in the 200-meter dash. Some of you are like, heck no, Richard, uh-uh. Nope, nope, nope. So you're competing in the 200-meter dash. You line up, all right? You line up. I mean, you, you are ready. You're in your stance. You sit there, and you see your competitors right next to you. You're like, let's get this thing going. That gun goes off, and you take off. You're going, running. There's adrenaline pumping. There's so many thoughts going through your mind. And you're sitting there saying, holy cow, this is amazing. All right? You sit there. You hear the gun. You're pushing. You're going. You have so many emotions. But you see someone pass you. Uh Uh-oh. But then you make that first turn, and it wasn't what you thought it should be. You see all of these things. But then you all of a sudden, you make that turn. But then you come and you catch up, and you pass another competitor. And you feel the excitement of that. But here's the thing. Amongst all of those small victories and small defeats within that race, the race is not complete. The race is not complete. Small victories and small defeats does not negate the fact that our focus is on the end game. Our focus is on the end game. See, we can't, as, as believers, even in our Christian walks, we can't ride one small moment. Even if it's a good moment, we cannot sit there and think, okay, this church service was amazing. Like, for example, that worship that we just had about five minutes ago was amazing. All right? I was like a balloon about to pop. It was so amazing. All right? But see, here's the thing. I can't ride that one time of worship and think that I have arrived, that I have completed, that I have reached the end game. All right, just like in our race, you can't sit there and say, you know what, I passed this guy, the race is over. This guy passed me, or this turn was bad, the race is over. We got to keep going. It's a constant pursuit. Because you see, we're given small victories by the grace of God. Every single victory we get is because of the grace of God. And during those, we make known his name. We declare his glory and faithfulness. But we must continue. Because, you see, we are rejuvenated by those small moments. Okay? Personal example. I'm sitting over there. Worship team up here is killing it. And I'm sitting there. And my tension ever since I came here this morning was I was so excited to preach, but I was also nervous as all get out. Because full transparency, you are the largest crowd that I've ever spoken in front of. Just full transparency. Okay? So I have that clash going on there. But I can't live just in the excitement and think, hey, you know, what? we've already made it. I can't live in the fact that I was anxious and think that it's over. But I was rejuvenated by the fact that I had that moment where God just sat there and wrapped his arms around me and said, I got you. I was rejuvenated. I was revitalized by that moment of God's grace. But rejuvenation and reinvigorating and being excited about that will not sustain me. We're sustained by consistently pursuing Christ likeness. Consistently. It has to be a continual thing. See, I can't just pray one time in the morning and think that's going to last me the whole day. Because if you're like me, five minutes after you pray, you go and make your cup of coffee, and then your kids wake up, and then the, just the craziness goes on. And I need Jesus more than I did five minutes ago. Yeah, you're right. Whoever's up there, I need to see you after the service. <laughs> All right? So here's the thing. It's a consistency. It's a consistent thing where we pursue Christ and Christ-likeness. But then the second part, and I'll be honest, this one is a little bit more difficult, but it's so necessary for us to understand the wonders of the gospel. See, some of us in this room have made mistakes or have had things that have been done to us that we have buried, that we have pressed down, and we pray they never resurface. We've made choices that due to the action and or the consequences of that action have left us deceived by the enemy to believe that we are beyond redemption. And somehow the cross of Christ covers every single thing except that one thing. Somehow this decision, this activity, this... Word, this situation somehow has this super sinful strength that is stronger than the cross of Christ. You see, when we believe that, what we do is we allow this deception to continue to grow. And we think that we're limited, used, and unfit for God to be used for His kingdom. Church family, I'm here to tell you that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is not the gospel you're going to hear this morning. That is not the gospel that we find in Scripture. Because, see, here's the thing. If you are in Christ today, remember, you're His. You are His. We're going to go back to that. You are His. If you are in Christ today... And I say this with all love and compassion I can. Today is the day where that thing, that situation, that uh, happened, whatever happened, it's time to lay it before the cross of Christ and not pick it up. Not pick it up. We lay it down fully exposed. And we don't like that. We don't like to be fully exposed, but only until we are fully exposed before the cross of Christ do we experience, understand, and see the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only then do we see it. Until we are vulnerable and exposed before Christ. Not because he's going to sit there and say, gotcha. It's because he's going to sit there and take the mess and say, here it is. Here's the mess. Ready? Here's the mess. Now watch me turn this mess into a masterpiece for God's glory and to magnify Christ. That is the gospel that we preach that is the gospel that we're talking about this morning. Romans 8.1 says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because of that cross, my Savior took my sin and my shame. Horatio Spafford wrote it the best. He said, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, not part of it, not 90% of it, but the whole 100% is nailed to the cross. And here's the thing, I bear it no more. I bear it no more. (laughs) Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Friend, if you are in Christ, Christ has redeemed that mistake. He has redeemed you He has redeemed that situation if you are in him today. And I don't say that as somebody who has never experienced that. Because I'll be honest, there was something that happened in my life 27 years ago that it wasn't but three and a half weeks ago. I finally came to the place where I said, God, I have held on to this. I have buried it. Here it is. Here it is. He said, now watch me use it for my glory. And I don't know where that's going to come from. I don't know what's going to to happen there, but I know that I have peace because I know that even in that nasty mess that happened so long ago, God is going to be glorified through it. And the gospel will be shown. And that is what we are about. Anyway, and because of that, Because we are in Christ, because we have this amazing gospel, we press on. The phrase press on means to actively pursue. To actively pursue. We can also see this word described as as in chasing after, running after. Kind of like your three-year-old when he has something that you're like, this is a brand new ornament that's now on the tree. Now he has it in his hand, and he's going, going, going. And as you're right there. Anybody else? Yeah, that, 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 that was us. That was us. All right. So here's the thing. We also see this in Chasing After. How many hunters are in here? Raise your hand. If you, if you hunt, raise them high. I mean, be proud. All right? Now, here's the thing. I am not a hunter. I work with a lot of them. All right? I know a lot of them. But I am not one. I am not against it at all. In fact, if you ever said, hey, Richard, you want to go hunting? I'd be like, yes, let's go. You see, the first time I ever considered or thought about hunting, I, I sat there and I was like, you know what, this is pro- can't be that hard. First time ever, you know, I, I, you, you go get a gun and then you go out and obviously the deer and the turkey and everything is just going to be sitting there. It's, it's just going to be there. See, uh, yeah, yeah, all you legitimate hunters are like, dude, you're so like way out of here. <laughs> all right, but that was my mindset. I'm like, you know, it's obviously going to be there. I'm going to go bang, 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 turkey and venison for everybody. Now you guys are laughing at me, but that was the thing that I, that was my view. It was my view of hunting. But here's the thing. Like my initial view of hunting, our view of pursuing God and Christ's likeness can sometimes appear synonymous. See, just like I thought it wasn't that big a deal, it wasn't something I had to really plan for, I'd just go out and do it. That's not what an active pursuit of Christ's likeness is. See, if I sit there and I think that I jump into this amazing-looking deer stand with all the bells and whistles, the trinkets, the cabinets, all that stuff, and I just grab a weapon that I really have had no time to train or even know how to fire or how to handle it, and me thinking that somehow having that And being in that deer stand, apparently I'm now a hunter. Let's rephrase that. Me coming into an amazing looking church. With the Bible that I know very little about. And have spent no time living it out. And automatically thinking that somehow that makes me Christ-like. Friends, Jesus said in Matthew seven sixteen, he said, you will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their actions. You will know them by what they consistently pursue. Family, let us consistently pursue Christ, not perfectly, but consistently, so that all who encounter us will see who we love and worship. See, we press on, we actively pursue, we hunt for the prize, which is becoming more like Christ. That is the point of Christianity, is Christ becoming more like Christ. See, the ultimate goal is not just to get into heaven. The ultimate goal is to be more like Christ. That is, the, that is the goal. That is the prize. Jesus is the prize. All right? And so we sit there and we look at this. We look forward to when God calls us, who are in Christ home, to be in his presence. And in that moment, when the sanctification process is complete, and he, oh, I'm getting excited. I know you're shocked. The presence of sin is no more, and we will be like in Christ completely. Because again, he says, you press on towards the goal, which is Christ's likeness, but then you press on to attain the goal, which is to be with Christ, complete in Christ, fully with Jesus. Amen. Woohoo! All right, that is the prize that we strive for, church. That is what we go after. Let that be true in our lives. And here's the thing: Paul goes up in the next two verses in verse 15 and 16. He says, hey, You guys need to think this way. If you're spiritually mature, your focus is on Jesus, being more like Christ. It's not sitting there being holier than thou, it's not sitting there having the biggest Bible. It's not having the best church attendance. It says, I want to be more like Jesus. That is my goal. That is the thing I pursue, is to be more like Jesus. So when people see me, they say less of me and more of Jesus. That is the goal. Verse 15 and 16 says, Let those who are mature think this way. And if in anything, any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to him. Only let you hold true to what you have attained. See, Paul is calling the church in Philippi to stay focused. He also talks about how during our walk, sometimes we get caught thinking about things that distract us from continuing in our pursuit of holiness. Paul reminds us that God is also pursuing us. And if, we, if our thinking goes awry, God will reveal and uncover that to us. Praise God. Praise God he does that. Because there are many, many times in my own life where I sit there and I'm like, what's going on? Why do I, ha- why, why do I have no joy? in God's life? because you're not pursuing me. You're not running after me. You spent more time on Instagram than in God's Word. You care more about what happens on Saturday than what happens on Sunday morning. You care about things that do not matter in the grand scheme. That's me. I'm talking about me. You know, one thing, again, that Paul talks about is not being complacent. One area of my personal life that I get complacent in oftentimes is my thought life. And what I mean by that is sometimes I'm thinking, I'm like, I love Jesus, but sometimes I get complacent in thinking that, you know what, those intrusive thoughts that are not Christ-like, I'm immune to those. And what happens is when we allow, we don't sit there and guard our minds, guard our hearts, guard ourselves with Scripture, which is what Scripture talks about, those intrusive thoughts start to creep in and they lie dormant. But what's happened is after they lie dormant, they end up coming out because they've now gone from here to here. And what happens is it comes from here to out here. And also what comes in out of here is demonstrated with these. Guys, we have to be on guard. I know I have to be on guard. That means there's a reason why Paul says be sober minded. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for whom he may Devour, First Peter 5, 8. We have to be focused, have to be sober-minded. Proverbs 28, 26 says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. All right, I've got to hurry up. All right, so here we go. So we see that Paul talks about, in, in verse 16, he encourages the believer to hold on to the truths they have learned through their pursuit of Christ's likeness. Constantly remind ourselves. Constantly remind themselves. Psalm 1, 1 through 1-2 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, which he meditates on day and night. It's a consistent thing. What are we doing in our personal lives to hold true to Scripture? What are we doing to remind ourselves of the truths of God's faithfulness and grace? And and this goes um, into the next verse where Paul talks about imitating him and others who have shown this example of consistently seeking holiness and holding on to the truths of God. Verse 17, he says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Again, Paul is not saying to anybody, that he has reached perfection. But he says, look at me as I show you how a broken man that has been made new in Christ is pursuing Christ-likeness on the daily. See, church, we're called to be authentic and not fake. We live in a world that is filtered with lies, if we're being completely honest. Everything is filtered and everything is modified so that somehow we give off this this image of something that is perfect, because what we do is we pursue this standard that truthfully we will never fully reach. And here's the thing: even if we were to possibly reach that standard, we would still not be satisfied because it's not centered on Christ. It's centered on something other than Him. I ask my students: I say, "What do you do with a photo before you post it?" This, is especially with my my girls, you filter it. You change the lighting, you change the angle, you change the background, you change everything to hide all of the things you don't want to be seen. See, church, we do the same thing. See, when you filter a photo, you try to get rid of the scars, maybe make sure the neck is not, you know, looks good, down, all, I mean, you, you do all of these things to make sure that photo matches what you think you should be. And we do the same thing in church. If I can give off just some sort of facade that I have got it semi-altogether, if my mask will hold from 9.30 to noon, I can make it. This is okay. What an exhausting life. What an exhausting life in Christ. Guys, I challenge each of us, myself included. Guys, we got to be real. Be authentic. Be the ones that say, you know what? I am struggling today. Be the one who sits there and says, you know what? I am having a bad attitude this morning. I need my brothers to come around me. Because again, we've all heard this before. The church is not a social club. The church is the hospital for the sick. And the doctor is in. Don't hide from the doctor. Try to be more like the doctor. But then as, as we continue, as we sit, sit there and, and giving off this, this realness, this, this amazingness, but then the question is, Paul talks about people that he, he wants us to imitate, to imitating him, but also those that through various seasons of our lives have given off the example of what Christ's likeness looks like. And so the question I have for each one of us is: Does our life reflect something that we would want somebody else to model it after? Think about that for a second. One of the things I, I mean, I'm I'm 37. I'm not old, but I sit there and I look back, and I'm like, None of y'all are old. So let me rephrase that. But my point being is, I sit there and I look back, and I say, What is the, What 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 have I done in my life that has meaning? Anybody else ever ask that question? What have I done in my life that has meaning? You know? I'm not, I'm not on TV. I don't, I'm not su- super fame. I'm not Taylor Swift. I mean, I'm not the most popular person. I mean, literally Travis Kelsey put her on the map. But anyway, all right? So here's the thing. My Swifties in here are all upset now. <laughs> but I may not have done something that the world finds to be valuable. when I hear my son who's five years old comes up to me and says and again remember I shared with you what it sometimes it's like when, when we do Devo at our house it's chaos he comes up to me and says daddy are we going to read the scripture tonight those are the things that have meaning because the Scripture changes lives. I don't want people, when I, when, when I take my last breath, to sit there and say, well, he had the most gorgeous bald head, he was this, he was all these other things. No, I want them to say, he loved Jesus. And it showed. What are we doing to model Christ to those who are around us? Are our lives reflecting Christ so much to say, you know what? I want to be like him. I wanna be like her. And then here's the thing: when we see those people and we talk to those people, you know who we direct them to? Oh, we don't go say, hey, yeah, look at me, I'm awesome. No, we say, No, look to Jesus. Because he is the foundation of why I am the way I am. He is the one that deserves all the glory. Who are we impacting for the kingdom? I really got to speed up. All right. Verse 18 and 19 says, For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame, with minds set on earthly things. See, Paul gives us a warning about those who have or, or are missing it. Let's look at some of those attributes he talks about. He says they their their God is worldly passions. Talks about their God is their belly. They're pursuing to be satisfied by temporary things. All right. They glory in shameful acts. Things that we that if we looked at scripture would say that that, that's horrible, that's shameful, but they, they they glory in that. Their minds are set on earthly things, focused on building kingdoms that don't last. And we would sit there and say, that's horrible. But if we're honest, that sounds a lot like us every day. When we do not pursue Christ likeness. When we don't. If we're we're brutally honest, when we do not pursue Christ likeness, that is us. That's me. What are we doing? What are we pursuing? Are we missing it? And truthfully, here's the thing, guys. You may be in here and that is you. You may be in here and say, you know what, that's me. If I'm being brutally honest, I am not pursuing Christ and I am pursuing everything else that has continually left me dry and empty and and just broken. I'm missing it. I want to tell you, as as we kind of land this plane with some encouragement, there is freedom from that. There is healing from that. Verse 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, which means I'm going to have luscious locks of hair. By the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. See, here's the thing, guys. We said this earlier. If we are in Christ, our home is not Here. Our home is in heaven with Christ. That is our home. And we wait eagerly for that. We rest in that truth. We hope in that truth. We stand firm in that truth. But see, here's the thing. If we don't rely, as we're going to see in verse 21 here, on the Holy Spirit's power, we will do and we will slip into this thing called, and we've heard it many times from this very pulpit, do better And try harder. See, Paul talks about in verse 21, he says, by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself, talking about that Holy Spirit power where literally everything is subject, which means that Christ transcends everything. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians 1, where he talks about the greatest example of this power, this power that Paul's referring to is shown through the resurrection to where, where even death itself had no power over my Jesus. And we sit there and we see that this power is working on us. That should be encouraging. The same resurrection power is working in us. Ready? Because I'll be honest, there are days I get up and I'm like, you know, I love Jesus. I'm not, I don't want to sit there and walk in, 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 in holiness there, but I, sometimes I'm like, to keep pressing on. That's not because of any goodness in Richard. That's this power that Paul's talking about that drives us, that motivates us, that helps us to keep pushing when we don't want to keep on. Those moments where I'm in the messy middle and I'm sitting there saying, I don't know if I want to do family devotion tonight because of the How hard it is, or frustrating it'll be. I'm tired. This is that, this, that, and the other. But that Holy Spirit power says, uh uh, let's keep going. Let's keep going. It's a mess, but you press on. You press on. As we kind of land this plane here, one of the things that we sit there as we see this passage, some, some takeaways, is that we live a life not holding on to what happened yesterday, good or bad. We use those to grow in our relationship with God, to keep pressing on. We actively pursue Christ's likeness in our everyday lives, in how we talk, how we think, how we act, and relying on the Holy Spirit's power to sustain, motivate And drive us. And the last one. We eagerly await the return of Christ. And until that return. We make his name known to the nations. Making his name known. That was Paul. That's what Paul was saying. Pursuing Christ's likeness. Building unity. And making the name of Jesus known amen as we enter this time of response um, one of the things that we want to look at here is, is what about us what about us today do you find yourself in the camp where you would say you know I, I'm looking at my actions and the words I say and how I handle my business and, and, and handle all my affairs and all of these things and they don't reflect Christ they don't reflect one who is actively pursuing Christ Maybe that's you. And the scripture calls us to repent. Repent. We're going this way. This is a picture of repentance. You're going this way. Holy Spirit said, "Uh uh-uh. We turn around, go away from that thing that we were pursuing that wasn't Christ, and go back to Christ. Repentance. And repentance is a good thing because it leads back to reconciliation with the Father and we continue to walk in that. But also you may be here, and this is, this is the, probably the, the more uncomfortable one. Maybe you're sitting here and saying, you know what, I have been enslaved to a situation, to something that happened to me a long time ago, something that was done, something that was said, and I've been enslaved to it. Let me encourage you today is the day to lay that down lay it down before the cross of Christ and experience the freedom experience the gospel because the gospel does not just cover the semi-messy the really messy It covers all of it that is our Jesus that is the one we sing about I'm going to pray and we're going to have pe- uh, people up here if you sit there and say you know what, that's me I've got, so- got something i got to do the Holy Spirit's pulling on you tugging on you don't resist them. don't push back because whatever the Holy Spirit wants you to do is for your good and God's glory what else do we need? I encourage you when we start to sing you move you move and watch God move Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father, that we do have a prize that we can pursue, which is you, which is being like you. And, Father, we look forward to the day when that is completed and we can be with you. Lord, I pray for each one of us in here that, um, Lord, if we're sitting here and in, in our, in our lives and our words and our actions and our thoughts are not reflecting you Father I pray that we would repent and turn away from those and pursue Christ likeness with an, with an active passionate pursuit but I also pray for those in here that may uh, be holding on to something or be enslaved to the deception that the enemy is telling them that they're not they're not they're not useful for the kingdom of God and Lord I praise you that the gospel is not centered around the lies of Satan, but that the truth of what comes from your own mouth. Lord, we love you. We ask you to move and have your will in your way. For it's in your name. Amen.